there was a saint that said something to this effect that our greatest addiction isn't drugs or alcohol, but the emotional addiction of self-doubt. Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now here's your badass host who raced Usain Bolt and won, Lynn Bravo. Welcome to another episode of Dead Set on Living. I'm your host, Lynn Bravo. I have with me today, yet again, my friend Michelle Smy-Hughes. And uh, welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> Michelle and I talked at an earlier episode on attitudinal healing. And uh, I was working with Michelle to work through a book called To See Differently by uh, Susan Trout, PhD. So she's been working hard on, on working through each of the principles. And we, we went over all the principles with you. And we'd like to start today with principle one. Uh, we will be doing multiple ones on future podcasts. But principle one is a really critical one. And it's a very important principle that sometimes takes a bit of time to kind of work through. So we're just going to spend our time talking about principle one today, and then we'll move on with other principles in future podcasts. I just wanted to backtrack a little bit, Michelle, back to just a, a quick little overview on attitudinal healing. And there's two tenets that are specifically applied to attitudinal healing. And the first one is the participation in one's own healing process by choosing to see differently. And the second one is the willingness to extend or share unconditionally that healing with others. So that's, uh, that's where, where our relationship falls into right now. So we're working together on working through this process with you. I did mention, I think one of us mentioned in the last episode about the witness self, but I'd like to just review that with you again for a second, if we could. Yep. So the witness self means is that rather than getting caught up in our thoughts and emotions and feelings, we, we separate ourselves in a sense. And we observe what's happening, but we stop identifying with your thoughts and emotions and without judgment. We're just sort of observing how we're feeling and how we're viewing a certain situation. So it's like trying to change, without trying to change these feelings, without interfering and understanding that they are actually separate and distinct from us. So the first feeling I had when I started exploring my witness self was this feeling of freedom. Like I feel, felt like I was, I was no longer victim of my own thoughts and feelings in a sense. Like I, I could observe from above and say, you know, I feel afraid right now. I'm feeling fear and I can observe that fear. And then I'm really aware now that that fear isn't part of me. I like to use the example that we were taught was that if we view ourselves as being a combination of the blue sky and the clouds, your higher self, your your witness self is the sky. And the clouds are part of the sky, but they aren't the sky. So they're individual things that you can sort of look from a distance. And you don't identify with every cloud or thought because it occurs. You can choose what to look at and observe, seeing all the different things that are floating by. And and we can remain aware behind all these thoughts in a, a state that offers us more openness and insight. Have you been working at all on trying to kind of connect to your witness self and be able to sort of separate yourself from your thoughts and feelings uh, so you can work through this program? You know, I, I, I have actually. My witness self has been coming forward quite often, if, if not consciously, whenever, whenever I'm presented with an opportunity. And if, and if I think about uh, the witness self, 
for me, there, and I don't know if other people share this experience, but in my lifetime, when things have become uh, too much for me emotionally, say it's a major crisis point in my life, I have had the witness self step in. Really? And it's sort of like I, my, my human self throws up its arms and the witness self will come in, say it was through serious illness or you have you know some sort of crisis in a relationship or something that really hits you deeply. Mm-hmm. And you describe it as a sky with clouds, but what it almost felt feels like to me is that I'm still myself, I'm still here, but I zoom up higher. So it's like my perspective on the situation changes. Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking down on the situation, I can remove any sort of attachment to my perspective or my emotional state, mm-hmm. and I can observe from above. Ah, And this has been really helpful for me in situations perhaps where I've been very hurt by another individual, where I feel very justified and very angry and I want to share with everybody what this person did. But if I actually zoom up and above and I view it from above, then all of a sudden I have this ability to tap into an awareness of compassion for myself and the other person, if Mm -hmm. I can explain it. So within this process, yes, uh, the witness self has come forward and it's, it's come forward boldly at times and, and really helped me out because saying, you know, Michelle, there's another way to look at this is mm-hmm. basically what the message is. Yes, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And, and I really feel like it's important before anyone starts moving through this process that you really cultivate that relationship with your witness self because when you move through attitudinal healing, often there's, uh, you, you might, there'd be times where you're going to feel like you're getting lost in the pain and suffering because you do need to release mm-hmm. that through this process. And I find that by cultivating the witness self, it's like an anchor that I can hang on to when I'm going through those difficult times and not f- start feeling like I'm getting lost in the emotions that, that are attached to moving through attitudinal healing. Uh, and then also, I find that it, you, can, you can monitor your process, your progress that mm-hmm. way as well. That's a really big thing. So uh, you can then see how you're doing uh, and you can recognize what the next steps might be in your yeah. healing process. And then uh, also reinforce new patterns. So like when you see you're not reacting and behaving towards a person or a situation the same way that it's like you can congratulate yourself that you that you have overcome your attachment to that reaction and that you you are moving beyond and, and letting that go so that you can experience love for yourself and others. So an interesting part of what I've really come to identify with in the last little while on this this focus of this this attitudinal healing, having focus here, when we monitor our progress, when we take stock and evaluation of, of how we operate or how our, how our health is, whatever that means to you, mm-hmm. we start to really notice our progress. And that's confidence building. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 And, and so for me, that, you know, it's really made life such a great experience to understand and really focus on how much I'm growing. You know, I'm, I probably grew from, from the moment I came out, you know, uh-huh. I've been growing. But when you, when you consciously hook into what's happening and how you're growing, mm-hmm. it, it not only accelerates it, um, but it makes it so much more rich of an experience to be alive. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, and once you work through this first principle, exactly that happens. It gives you, it, this is such an important principle, and that gives you the foundation on which to build. And, and like you say, have the confidence to move through each of the next 11 principles because you had success with this first and most important one. So yeah, no, I think that's Even great. through pain. Even so through pain. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's just one, something I wanted to read to you because I am applying of being service to you with with attitudinal healing there's a a a little um affirmation that i'd like to read to you if i may i would welcome it (laughs) 
You and I, we meet as strangers, each carrying a mystery within us. I may never know who you are. I may never know you completely. But I trust that you are a person in your own right, possessed of beauty and value that are Earth's richest treasures. So I make this promise to you. I will impose no identities upon you, but will invite you to become yourself without shame or fear. I will hold open a space for you in the world and defend your right to fill it with an authentic vocation. For as long as your search takes, you have my loyalty. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> you know, that, um, that is our story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. And I thank you for that. You're very welcome. So we're going to start now with the first principle, which is the essence of our being is love. And when I took an attitudinal healing course, we started off each session with reading the basic tenets of that principle. So I'd like to do that here because I think our listeners, what I find is that when we were read, we read, we'd read this book before, the week before on that particular principle we were going to be studying. But when you read these tenets, it's not the same as having someone read them to you and your list because... Instead of going through the act of reading, you're going through the act of listening and absorbing and hearing what's being said. So it's a very different experience. We aren't going to elaborate on them. I'm just, we're just, Michelle and I will just take turns each reading one of them. So let's start with the first tenet based on uh, uh, this principle, the essence of our being is love. So the first one is, each individual is a spark from the universal light. This spark is our essence. And the second one. Love is the ultimate and highest goal to which we can aspire. Number three, love is a given, a permanent energy in the universe and in each human being. It is our natural state. And four, loving is looking beyond appearances, beyond the personality and beyond any specialness in our relationships. Five, negative emotions and attitudes Block the awareness of the presence of love within ourselves and others. Six, love is reflected back to us and triggers the awareness of love within ourselves. Seven, meditation and contemplation strengthen the awareness of our essence of love. Eight, the most prevalent obstacle to the awareness of love's presence is self-doubt. Nine, the awareness of our love essence is increased as we extend that love to others. Ten, love is the healer. And isn't that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ah. So as you can perhaps tell, these tenets and, and this first attitudinal healing principle really includes all the ele- other 11 that we talked about in our last episode. Uh, and so it embraces them all. So this one is really an important foundation on which you're going to build the rest of the uh, principles on. So it, because it's asking us to address the core belief of what we believe our true essence to be. And although we may not recognize it, it's hard for you to shift sometimes into understanding and seeing our true essence, which you will soon discover is love. <laughs> because Sadly, many people, or most people actually, are convinced they are worthless and inadequate. There was a saint that said something to this effect that our greatest addiction isn't drugs or alcohol, but the emotional addiction of self-doubt. And that is so true. Like when I went to do the attitudinal healing course, we, we before we started reading the first principle, we introduced all of ourselves. And there was a large number of my group were addicted to alcohol and drugs. 
and and I had separated myself thinking, you know, I'm here for other reasons. It's not because I'm addicted to anything. Mm -hmm. I actually believe that. But then when I realized uh, that that addiction comes in many, many forms, I did soon learn that I was an addict because I was addicted to, emotionally addicted to self-doubt. And that was a very big part of my, my world. Starting this principle, you have to start from a place of honesty and you have to, to recognize the fact that you aren't starting in the place of love for yourself. And that's the first thing that we have to work on is, mm-hmm. is, is seeing that and understanding that. And you have to take your current attitude seriously and honestly to even be able to begin to create the possibility of moving forward to a more peaceful attitude right so the first step that you went through michelle and i did it my when i was doing this was was looking at what is my attitude now what is my current attitude so uh, there's a list of questions that are in the book and did you would you like to again without giving names and so on would you like to perhaps share just what some of your thoughts were about these questions in establishing what your attitude is currently so if we're looking at how would I describe the awareness I have about my inner essence as defined by this principle, mm-hmm. which is the first question in, in checking into your attitude. And, and I'm taking myself back because we, I started this process, I think, in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I'm looking at my awareness and my attitude and being honest about it, about this principle at the onset, how I how I investigated that within myself was trying to determine what was the constant if I could just really sense what was the constant from when I remember my conscious memories go back pretty young Mm -hmm. to now what what's what what can I identify with within myself that's never changed Mm -hmm. that hasn't changed form into all these different labels as we morph through life and there is a sense that there's a steady presence and there is a sense that that presence is very solid but the awareness of it as being love maybe wasn't as strong, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. There's an awareness as a constant, and, it, it, and, and it's who I am. But it's really getting to know that essence. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Another question that you would have asked yourself was, who in my life, either living or dead, do I or did I perceive as reflecting this essence back to me? And that was an interesting one. So, so I had trouble searching for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that says about my attitude, but I, but I what I found uh, was nature when I was little. Mm-hmm. I loved. I just it was the, it was just the love of like frogs and tadpoles and mud and and all the things that just really brought me a lot of joy, and and were so just so pure. And then I did have uh, um, somebody in my life who was actually um my parents would. They were very young when they had me, so I would spend a lot of time with babysitters, and there was an elderly couple who had uh, responded to an ad in the newspaper to look after me. And my mom tells a neat story. like She's a young nursing student, and she has this baby, and she has to work. So she places an ad for caregivers in the newspaper, leaves, goes over, visits with them. They say, you know, leave your baby here, go do your shopping. My mom thinks they're great. So they're like, leave the baby here, go shopping, you know, whatever. So she's hiring them. And she said, she's out in a store and all of a sudden, because they were so great, but all of a sudden in the store, she went, oh no, I've left my baby with strangers. And she went back to the house. And as she walked up the steps, this little wartime house in Hamilton, Mm -hmm. they have a big window in the front. She could see the gentleman who was probably in his fifties at the time. And he, and he and his wife had their arms around each other and they were just gazing at me in the crib. 
And they had wanted me because their, their grandchildren had moved away. So for me, when I look back, that gentleman looked after me. She was hired to look after me, but she was basically bedridden. These are the babysitters that we hired. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? So he, he would look after me and uh, he would, he still kind of worked, but he would, you know, he would make me Mickey Mouse pancakes and I would play with like little Salata tea animals. And, and when you say the essence, it, it just never felt anything, but it wasn't like this overjoyous love hug, you know, that we give kids today, like you're the best, you're the best. It was just the steadiness of of just really feeling like that somebody really supported me mm-hmm. and never wavered. And they continued to look after me. I, w- I was with him, you know, as he was passing, you know, just before he passed on his deathbed many, many years later. So, so that's wow. somebody that came forward for me. The next question is, is with what or whom in my life do I seem to forget the awareness of my own essence? I'm sure there's a whole list of people. <laughs> well, there's, I think me. everybody can think of close family members. Fam- there's there's yeah. always going to be somebody in your family that pings you. I don't think I'm alone here. Yeah. But what is it that I'm feeling? What What is it that separates me from my essence is, is this sort of question asked me. Yes, exactly. And, and I think it's when, you, and, I, and I love that, that everybody probably feels the same way. It's when you feel, when somebody's reading you some way and you feel misread, you feel misunderstood, it really hurts your feelings. Because you're does. like, but, but, but that's not who I am. Yes. Well, who am I then? Yes. That's the question. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, again, these people are a gift, right? Like yeah. They're helping us recognize where we need to address our feelings. We're and, all and gifts. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Are, are there attitudes that serve as obstacles or barriers for you uh, experiencing your own essence, do you think? Oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> so when you were speaking about self-doubt, it was like containing myself. I wanted to raise my hand, raise Is my it, other hand. I'm a person. Yeah. I'm an self Yeah, self-doubter. So, mm-hmm. and how I recognize that is when I begin to feel my essence, and I'm conscious of it now. So when I begin to feel it and I'm, and I'm in it, inevitably, at some point, could be that day, could be the next day, could wake up this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to bed fine and you wake up in another world. And there's this self-doubt. And it's funny because it's happened enough to me now to connect it. Mm -hmm. And I am aware. I wasn't thinking of it as an addiction. I was thinking of it as a safe place. Something that allows me to stall, to go into stall mode. Because when I'm connecting to my essence, I'm moving. Mm -hmm. You're moving. Mm -hmm. You can't stand Mm -hmm. still and be in your essence. Exactly. Right? Right. And so the old fear comes in and the self-doubt to me feels like a stall tactic. Oh, yes. So you talk about it as addiction. Yeah, I'm addicted to being in the stall mode. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to uh, create the excuses not to move forward and do your work. That's on this. (laughs) Which creates depression. (laughs) Yeah, it does. If you you go down the line, depression is putting yourself in a state, backing yourself into such a corner because you're so afraid of being hurt. Mm-hmm. And then your absolute, your surroundings become your misery. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. self-defeating. What are my attitudes that serve as obstacles or barriers to my seeing the essence in other people? Judgment. Yes. However, it's interesting now, because this is a couple of months for me, not not that long. Mm-hmm. Judgment to me now, I don't judge myself when I judge. Aha. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> How clever. <laughs> I, yeah. Nope. I'm, I just catch it because if I'm feeling judged is the number one message. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to go in. And, and it is so cool how when you remove judgment of somebody, they don't judge you anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Filters. You have to, you have to, mm-hmm. this is what this first principle is about. And in a big part of it is recognizing that the second you're judging, you wouldn't see that fault in other people nope. if it wasn't in yourself. You just wouldn't recognize it. 
And the worse you feel that that statement is incorrect, then you have to dig deeper. I know. Like people don't want to hear that. But if, it, because, you know, if you're complaining about, you know, your coworkers is treating you and they're always doing this or they're gossiping or saying that or whatever, you have to look and see, whoa, like if I, this is bothering me, like if it's affecting me and making me feel so frustrated or angry or hurt, that means this is within myself and I have to address the fact that this is in me. And so it really is these people that you feel are mirrors. They're mirrors, right? They're just there to help reflect back what you need to deal with. They're, in order they're to teachers and it. gifts and it's all they learning. Really yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that person that your coworker you just can't stand, you have to go up and say, thank you very much for showing mm-hmm. me what I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How willing am I to recognize my own and others' love essence? Are you will- more willing now to do that? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think the little miracles that occur along the way, expand that willingness even oh, further yes. because there are miracles that happen I call them little miracles where you're just transforming a situation that you know I had a situation yesterday you know something comes in everything's I'm in my essence in comes <laughs> you know in comes an email that drops your world yeah or something that would have dropped my world two years ago and yep. really put me into some sort of anxiety tailspin mm-hmm. I was able to zoom up yep look down on it and and I'm not telling my own heart. I'm just I'm acknowledging. I think it's important for people to acknowledge their growth. Yeah. And I was able to look at it and say, okay, so what are your choices? You know, what are you going to offer this situation? And I offered the truth. Because often for me, what I'm finding as well, when it comes to our essence, is as close as I can get to the truth is the essence yes. of love. Mm-hmm. So love and truth are, are, are absolutely the same. And so if you're looking to, to find that essence, then go to the truth. That takes some work as well. Oh, it really does. Yeah. Especially, you know, an example of that that pops into my head is how we try and sugarcoat things or soften the blows of the truth to people that we care about and love. And I have so learned that that is not the way to go. Like, you know, uh, my mom is 90 years old and uh, I've had, you know, people that we're dealing with in our our situation, like my stepdad is in long-term care and so on. They don't tell my mom the truth because she's 90 years old and they're worried she can't take it. And, and my mom is the first one to say, I can handle the truth. I can always handle the truth. The first thing I do if something's come up that, that my mom needs to know about is I just tell her the truth. You know, like we have people that, you know, my mom's 90 years old. She's seeing people die that are way younger than her, you know, family friends and family members that, you know, you, we shouldn't have to see die, like her son dying, my brother dying. But I never, ever hesitate to immediately tell her the truth in this kind way, obviously. But hiding the truth or trying to sugarcoat it or not giving people the whole story is such an unkindness to them because really... Uh, we can all handle the truth. And if crying and being upset's part of how we handle it, that so be it. You learned quickly that, that many of the things we say and do are only to uh, help protect us because we can't handle the reaction. Right? It's interesting when you were saying that, it was really um, bringing a memory back to me. And, and, and what you were talking about, what was feeling is when we don't do that, when we don't speak in truth to somebody, we're blocking the essence on both sides. Yes, we are. And I was remembering that that somebody very close to me, my father, when he he was in hospice for a long period, and if if we could be truthful, there would have been so much more love expressed. But it was all about almost on both sides pretending this isn't happening. So mm-hmm. those conversations or those opportunities to have that really deep connection and and share that essence and be who we really are, yes. were blocked and avoided. Mm-hmm. And I think only in those moments where those those walls come down. Can we actually on both sides? So it's, 
it's self-defeat. I, I, I don't know what the term is, but it, it's yeah. against. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to doing the principle on on death and dying. Oh, because me too. You're you're just bringing all this up for me as well as how yeah. we treat people and how we try and protect and cocoon people that are dying mm -hmm. instead of being truthful with them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last one here of the uh, how to sort of assess where your attitude is currently is do I devote any time during the day to remembering or reflecting upon the awareness of my true essence, such as in meditation or contemplation? And that this moves us into the next stage here where we're actually practicing this principle. So maybe we can kind of just jump into that. It's really important in order to understand and, and assimilate and take on this principle that you practice it every day. Yes. For me, it's a combination of not journaling, but recalling my, my dreams. I, I, I stay in bed for a little bit longer and really try and remember and recall my dreams and what messages I'm getting. But then meditation for me is the big one yeah. as well. Michelle, have you adopted any sort of practice, shall we say, uh, in your day to work towards uh, working on this first principle? Yes. And it comes back to uh, looking for love's essence. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways you can look for love's essence. So one is from within, from yourself. So the, my morning is typically devoted either to nature. I go swimming in the lake with my friends at sunrise. Mm -hmm. and, and that practice is nature. So that's essence right yes. there. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> you can't be more present than swimming in a lake in the morning. You are who you are. And if that's unavailable, then in the morning, I would do some form of meditation. And it typically, when I focus these days on meditation, I find... What really opens me up is love. So it's some form of focusing on looking for love within myself or, or exploring just that essence of just being. And then I do have other ways that I practice it through music. I listen to music and music fuels me. It's specifically the lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's a passion of mine and where I, I find love's essence quite often. And as well, uh, just through animals, you know, interacting with my animals. And I practice it constantly. So to be quite honest, I practice it with everything that comes in front of me. That's the thing, isn't it? Like yeah. for me, that was just such a, a, a big change, a game changer for me was I was already doing some of these things and, but I wasn't doing it consciously. Yeah. Like it, it's just becoming aware yeah. of, of all those moments in the day. And sometimes I can just be sitting there, not meditating, but just, I just, it's something we don't do but if you just sit there and just breathe normally like just you're just sitting and you're breathing you're not trying to breathe deeply or anything else you're just breathing and I can sit there for several minutes and just think this is the coolest thing yeah. ever I'm it's all happening automatically I'm just sitting here breathing right. <laughs> and it sounds like a silly little thing no. but but it's being aware of being breathing and being alive is just the simplicity of that is a tool for becoming aware and conscious of of this love. Next, uh, we after you've incorporated these patterns and, and disciplines into your life, being disciplined about it at first is necessary. I find that it just comes naturally. It's now I don't normal. even think yeah. about it. Like whatever I feel I need or want to do, it, I just do it now. I'm not actually planning anything per se. But um, at some point in this process, you can go back in now and say, have I healed my attitude? Have, have I succeeded in moving through this principle? And am I now aware of the essence of love in myself and others? So there's a, a point where you, you check in on that. And have you gone through that part yet, do you think? Or? Um, there's a practice I do at the end of each day, mm -hmm. as I like to close my day, which is interesting, because what I'll do is filter my day and become aware of, you know, we can't always be loving, we can't always be perfect, but, but, and I don't, I don't care about perfection, but, but I care about growth. And so when I'm 
when I'm reviewing my day, it's almost like I play my day out and I'm able to, if there's some instance where I sort of stepped off the path or, or there's, there was an opportunity to offer more or to recognize more, um, I replay the situation and reform it in my mind. And, And that feels like you can feel that. Mm-hmm. You can feel the fabric of that change. So not only can you learn and practice this while you're going through it, you can actually review your your life or your day or the any instance and explore it from a perspective of not even participating, but just on a mental level. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you are weaving a new fabric of understanding for yourself and, and you can add new threads like that. Like yeah. you don't actually have to have done it yeah. in a way that may have exhibited more understanding of love for yourself and love for others. But you can you can recognize that you missed that opportunity and weave that thread in and it's there for next time. Like it's th- funny you say thread because I feel like to start this process, what I felt like if I visualize how it looks and feels, I feel like you never walk through a spider web yeah, and you have all the threads on your face and you're like, <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> and then you try to pick the, I feel like I've been picking threads off my face. <laughs> So that's, you know, oh, there's a thread. Pull that off. Well, that feels better. Yeah. And then so so I guess I'm going to get to where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The neat thing about this is, is that you are actually weaving your own fabric now of how you're going to view your life, how mm. you're going to live your life. This is just the start of the loom of running those threads together to, to creating your own story now and how you're going to live and, and view and what are your attitudes and what are the changes going to be in your life. Now, this is all you getting to, to create your own fabric now that isn't all interwoven with everyone else's threads. These Correct. are all your own threads. And as we just said, that, that you know, you can actually add threads to this fabric that you do haven't actually even applied yet. But you, 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 you recognize that, oh, I can do this next time. This is how I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to recognize this and I'm going to see it for what it is. And here's how I'm going to handle it. And, and it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and you talked about giving yourself a pat on the back. And I do. Mm-hmm. And that's not the old Michelle. The old Michelle, the self-doubt Michelle, mm-hmm. right? Instead of giving yourself a pat on the back, you doubt, you doubt yourself. Right. This new Michelle. <laughs> well, give yourself a pat on the back. And I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I'm really proud of that. When I, w- the, I mean, there was a million of them, whether it doesn't matter how much you love someone or how close they are to you, there's going to be things that trigger you with these people. And that's how I put it into practice. So after I had my first class in, in this first principle was I went home and I just used it. I used my, just my home and my relationship mm-hmm. with friends and family as the testing ground because everybody pushes your buttons, right? So when, <laughs> when, uh, when, uh, when, when something would happen, I would, I, because I'd, I'd already got the concept of the witness self, I'd feel that feeling mm-hmm. of reaction coming up. Like it would, and sometimes it just, comes up like a gush and then I'd before it hit my mouth and actually came out I'd just stop and even just taking those few seconds to recognize that you've just been triggered and then to to decide to handle it differently look at it differently view it differently yeah like for sure I was always saying afterwards like whoa that was well done Lynn Lynn. you handled that like a champ you know and 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 it just it gives you time to reflect and like why like why did I get triggered like it 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 invites you to explore the root causes of all these triggers and and I was amazed just this was just my first week in attitudinal healing and by the end of the week when we went back to share the next class like we were all all full of bubbles and and excitement Mm -hmm. because already this was working already this was having an effect on our lives and it it allowed us to sidestep what would have been arguments or 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 frustrations or anger you know so it's it's very cool how quickly you can see results and then like you said earlier that that just 
that just motivates you to, to keep going because you start having successes. I really feel now that just nothing sticks. Like you could, That's anyone good. and any person, anything can happen and it just doesn't stick anymore. I never look, take it personally and nothing anyone says or does, I never take it personally anymore. Therefore, I never have self-doubt. Therefore, I, I, I'm not saying I never have self-doubt, mm -hmm. but I rarely now have self-doubt. And, and I just feel the love. I feel the love for myself. I feel the love for them. And, and I just try and move forward. I, if I can, I try to be helpful to that person in some other way. To, because for them to have lashed out or said what they said, obviously they're suffering. And you just extending the hand of love and caring to them sometimes or just listening. That's what gets you through those things. And, and you really, really realize that it, this isn't about you. This isn't something to take personally. If you really think about it, if, if I go back to, you know, several years ago where I couldn't even walk into a room with people without getting super nervous, like anything, like even friends. If I go back to my whole life with people, and, and I don't know if, if listeners will identify if this is, this is the same for everybody, um, but I've always been afraid. I've always been afraid of people. To me, my fear in, on, a, on a, just a plain level would, would translate, I'm afraid of being hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and now I'm understanding that, that, that's, that, that nobody can really hurt me. <laughs> and I've proven that to myself in the past with the things that I've overcome and the way I've done things, but then lessons never stuck. Right, right. So what this proves to me is that, first of all, nobody really is intending to hurt me for the most part in life nobody really is intending to hurt you it's all a projection of something from from themselves mm -hmm. and conversely i never really in, intend to hurt anybody either right yeah right. and uh it, it, it's not that it's it, it's it's not that it comes across that way to other people or, or vice versa so perception is everything it is it is yeah as you move through this principle once you've mastered it you'll realize that the love for yourself and the love for another is indistinguishable. Mm -hmm. They're the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so some of the questions that you can ask yourself to see, you know, where you're at at this point is, uh, am I more conscious of the times I block my love essence as well as the times I extend it? Am I more consciously aware of the love essence of others, especially towards those whom I feel conflict? So we've already talked about mm -hmm. some examples of this ourselves, but I'll just quickly go through these for the listeners. Have I become less fearful of my own thoughts and of the thoughts of others? Has my sense of equanimity increased, particularly in stressful situations, which you explained with your story? Um, is there any difference in how I experience my day on mornings that I meditate? Do I now take time to recenter myself whenever I lose sight of my essence? And has there been any noticeable shift in the quality of those relationships in which I've been experiencing conflict? So we have sort of shared our, our thoughts about all of that. But those are the questions you would ask yourself if you, as you're moving through this to see if you are on track to healing your attitude towards your love essence. So the last thing that it's important to do, and, and we've again already touched on this, is applying the principles in service. So just the fact that you're practicing this principle on those around you, your friends, your family, your co-workers, that is in essence uh, also applying the principles of service because you're starting to understand and learn how to open that door, how to open up the channels so that instead of always pushing back, you're remaining open 
to your own love and to the love of others. And, and that can really be of huge service to others because, as we just described, you, you're shifting that person's f power to being able to, to, be able to um, express how they're feeling and to see that, that, they're, that they need to open up their hearts as well yeah. as for loving themselves and also to experience that exchange of love with another. As I said earlier, I think I think the really key point is is that you'll soon, over time, discover that your self love and your love to others you won't be able to tell that apart. Um, you you will learn that you can't love another without loving yourself. Uh, loving another person reflects back to you the experience of loving yourself. Mm -hmm. When you care for your own needs you're able to then, and you will be caring for the needs of others. And you can't be a source of love and strength for another person unless you nurture that within yourself and your source of strength and love for yourself. And you can't, you know, as, as I'm working with you, I wouldn't be able to create a space in which you feel safe and comfortable being with me and working through these mm -hmm. principles unless I, you have, you are sensing that I feel safe and comfortable with myself. Therefore, it allows you to feel comfortable and safe being with me and working with me on these principles, right? Imagine so a society of people that felt safe and comfortable. I know. Mm -hmm. How fun would that be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think <laughs> we'd see a lot of rapid movement there. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So um, so uh, the important step here, if, if anyone's wanting to sort of follow along and work on this principle, is one of the most important things is cultivating this daily daily. Um, discipline of journaling, meditating, whatever, sort of finding a way to really come to an understanding. It, it, this is a, the exploration principle of really understanding who you are, where your, your difficulties lie. You know, if, if, like most people, you suffer with self-doubt or even uh, worthlessness, that sort of thing, you know, just recognizing it, really, you're just recognizing it and learning to understand the witness self and sort of take yourself out of your, I like your example of, of rising above and looking down on the situation in an impartial way. These are all the skills that you can start working on. And honestly, I, I, I can assure you that within no time, like, as I said, when I started this program and we learned this first principle and I started putting it into action, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I, the excitement uh, a week later of all the accomplishments I had of, of already improved relationships with people uh, in all aspects of my life was so exciting. It really yeah. was. It really was. And it sounds like you experienced oh, a similar thing. It, I can't praise it enough as far as, as the transformation in all my interactions, um, and particularly with myself, and, and that reflects outwardly. Um, and also just... Just I, I just really feel like giving you a, like a high five right now. I just feel really, <laughs> I feel really happy, you know. So thank you so much. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> you, you, I think you read this to our listeners in another episode on on something, but it is part of the attitudinal healing. A, a quote from uh, from Joseph Campbell to inspire us to uh, sort of seek the blissfulness of living. And yes. I'd just like to read it again, if I may, Being because alive. I love this quote as well. So it says, "People say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life." I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances within our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. And that says it all. It does. <laughs> 
Thanks for joining me, Michelle. We're going to continue with some of the other principles in future episodes, and we're going to give the listeners a chance to work on this first one for a, a few weeks because uh, uh, it's a very, very important one. It forms the foundation of attitudinal healing, and we'll be back with you again in a few weeks with principles two and three. Thank you so much, Lynn. Like, really, thank you. Okay. I really thank you for the honor, and thank you for, for working with me and, and, and helping me, and, and just thanks for all the love. Yeah. Well, I do love you. I love you too. <laughs> okay. Thank Thanks, you so Michelle. Much. Okay. If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.